Welcome to The Fully Lived Life, a podcast for those who are longing to pursue the full life and want to break free from anything that holds them back. Listen in as two friends, a psychologist, Dr. Mary, and a life coach, Jillian, talk about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith, science, psychology, and life experiences. Hi, Mary. Hey, Jillian. How are you? Oh, I'm good today. Yeah, how are you? I am good. I'm really looking forward to today's subject. Yeah. I feel too. like a lot of what we've been um, in previous episodes is kind of building to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a uh, episode for parents. Yep. The title, we're calling it Healthy Parents, Healthy Kids. Mm-hmm. And we've hopefully been giving you some tools um, and tips to get to a healthy version of you. Right. So that that will then impact your right. parenting. Right. Um, when you were parenting your children, you know, in the early years, um, I know that we probably both have things that we'd like to go back and change or correct. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's one thing that you would have wanted to be healthier in? Um, well, with Amanda, my first child, I was really quite anal. Mm. Uh, I was, I I was fearful. And so I was always constantly hovering over her and trying to make sure that like, I wouldn't, if the dog licked her face, I'd be like disinfecting her. (laughs) (laughs) Now she came out like really, really well. Like she's not at all obsessive about this kind of thing, but, um, I probably put too much stress on myself to be the perfect parent. Right. Okay. So if you back up the truck with this whole idea, when I was in grad school, uh, I really wrestled with the idea of having kids, not because I don't love kids and not because I don't want to have kids, but I was worried about how I was going to mess them up. Because you knew all the ways you were going to mess them up. Exactly. So I didn't end up having kids until um, really my early 30s. Part of it was just timing because I was in school and all that. But the other part of it is like, okay, I think I can do this. And between kid one and kid two, I think I learned some lessons that uh, to give myself grace. And I would like to actually introduce this uh, episode is to give as our listeners to listen, give yourself a lot of grace because otherwise the things, the lessons that you can learn will be used just to beat yourself up, yes. to make you feel powerless, to make Don't you feel that. like there's no hope. Uh, instead, it's like, listen to this, show grace for yourself for the mistakes you might have made. And I know parents, they don't intentionally want to harm their kids mm. other than those ones who are truly evil or abusive, but they... Do it out of the best that they know how. Right. And so give yourself grace for that, but then be intentional about saying, I want to make shifts. So what about you? What about any mistakes or things that you look back, oh, why did I do it this way? Well, I think in in those early years, uh, just I was too hard on myself as a parent too. Mm. Like I, I was critical of myself as a parent. Yeah. And I'm sure that carried out in my parenting, right, in my relationship with my um, kid. Mm -hmm. But um, I would like to have been more grace-filled towards myself. Mm. So, and I'm glad that you gave lots of space for grace today because this is the reason, parents, that grandparents are so fantastic. (laughs) It's so true. Because we know now that, hey, 
You know, mm-hmm. I don't need to be cooking the gourmet meal because I'm playing Play-Doh for five hours. Yes. Right? And it's good that you're doing that. Yes. Yeah. And that's more important than, you know, cooking this spectacular meal mm-hmm. because I'm investing in creativity and fun and relationship and connection and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why grandparents are amazing. Yes. Well, They've learned the lessons. I think you are an amazing grandparent. I truly am. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Gma. No, that's right. Gma rules. That's right. Okay, so I like this. So healthy parents, healthy kids. Right. Take a deep breath, listeners, and give yourself a lot of grace. Uh, don't be pointing the finger at yourself and wagging it um, at where you think you're failing, but allow yourself to um, intentionally grow from this episode towards healthier parenting. Right. And I would also say to those parents who have adult children, uh, even grandparents, yeah. that it's never too late, right? That, that as you learn and as you can adjust and as you can even go back and ask for forgiveness or ask for feedback and be humble about it, my goodness, uh, deep, deep down, every child longs for acceptance and affirmation from their parents. Doesn't matter how old. Doesn't matter how old. And if you can, as a grandparent, go back to your adult kids and say, you know, I recognize I really messed up in this area. Can you please forgive me? And how can I make it up to you? And then just choose to change patterns so that instead of, say, for example, if my pattern with my child was on the critical side, to choose to bite my tongue more and to be more affirming. And it's going to feel awkward. But it is doable, and it's amazing that just a, that effort can change the dynamics of your relationship with your kids. So, um, so there's hope there's for these hope parents about all kids, regardless of what age. I think there's a great book on the market. It's called "Shut Up and Put Out the Welcome Mat." Oh, and it's specifically geared for parents of adult children. Right. Right. Yeah. It's great. So, so like uh, one of the things um, I would say underlying the struggles that parents have to do that is they've also been hurt by their kids mm-hmm. and they're waiting for their kids to acknowledge uh, what they've done to cause the pain. But like I say to parents, you're the parent, be the adult, be the one who's willing to humble yourself first and don't go out of demand or neediness, Mm -hmm. or how come you never call me, or how come you never spend time with me? That doesn't go well, but go in a posture of humility and tenderness and, um, and being able to be honest about the mistakes that you've made because your adult child will have the capacity, because they're going to be longing for it, to hear your heart for them. Okay. So, I mean, oh, that's that, so hope filled. Thank yes, you, Mary. Yeah. So, I, I want to say that just because uh, as I reflect on my journey as a parent and the conversations I've had with my adult kids, I can see that uh, things have gotten better and better as I've been able to be more um, honest and, and authentic with them. And oh, that's wonderful. Too. Thank you for sharing that because that ge- that's giving a lot of our listeners hope. Right. So, uh, but again, it's personal responsibility. It's owning the part that you can. And even if you've only caused 1% of the damage with your kids, own that part and uh, release them from the need to ask for your forgiveness. Because um, much as I may long for my kids to own their part of it, that's their separate journey. And if I'm holding out for them to acknowledge the way they've hurt me in order to draw close to them, it may not happen. Okay. So, oh, that's smacking me right in the... 
chopsticks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wait a second, because I need to go back, because there's something really tweetable. Okay. Is release your child mm-hmm. from have owning their stuff mm-hmm. at this point. Right, right. Release the expectation that that's what needs to happen for reconciliation. Right. You do your 1%, 5%, 90% mm-hmm. and start there. Right. Okay. So, so the other thing, too, is even if your child is an adult, uh, you are still the parent. And you um, have, throughout the course of your relationship, have a greater degree of responsibility to uh, move towards relationship, to model healthy relationship, to, to pursue them. And so if you are sitting at home and the phone never rings because none of your kids ever pay attention to you and you're feeling very lonely and isolated, first of all, my heart goes out to you because that is a such a tough I mean I've worked with so many people who have that and it, it's not to blame them for mm-hmm. their part of why the relationship broke down but if you can at least look inward and say what is it that I might have done and and I might have done it out of I genuinely want to help my kid but in, in, in by wanting to help them I actually ended up being critical and they didn't feel good enough with me oh man right so those are just some thoughts yeah um okay yeah. So uh, having started off by saying that um, kids long for acceptance from their parents, uh, your relationship with your kids is so significant. And this is part of the reason why we often talk about deal with the junk in your trunk. Mm-hmm. It's not actually just affecting you. It is absolutely affecting your kids. You may think you hide it from them. Mm-hmm. They have an intuitive ability to grasp tensions and whatever it might be and because they're kids what they'll do is they'll sometimes blame themselves or take responsibility for it so just be aware i read this um story once in a book called kids who carry our pain it's a really old book i don't even know if it's still in print but it was a little boy he was brought in for counseling because he was acting out and he was being unmanageable so he was uh, in a play therapy session and he took the daddy doll and he had that doll throw a toy couch across the room. Wow. And then when the therapist was talking to the dad, the dad was like really puzzled. Like, I, I don't know what that was all about because I've never thrown a couch in my entire life. Well, then upon further discussion, it turned out that his mother-in-law had given him, had given them a couch. And he admitted that he detested his mother-in-law. And he, although he's never bad-mouthed uh, the mother-in-law in front of the child, never done anything violent like that. Somehow that child picked up on his dad's dislike for grandmother and threw the couch that was given by his grandmother. Whoa. Isn't that sobering? Sobering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy moly. Yeah. So um, I, I share that story uh, as a, a bit of a extreme story, but also like it's such an everyday story that your unresolved issues do affect your kids. And uh, I know that there has been some um, conversations I've had with my parents where, as I look back, I have then carried on their anger towards other people or their dislike of other people. And I've not even had any interactions with them. So think about that. Wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I sort of say that to set the stage, not because of, again, parents. So again, grace, grace, grace. But it's just a way of waking us up as mm-hmm. parents 
to what's going on in our inner world that whether we speak it or act it, it is affecting our kids. It is affecting our kids for sure. And then if you roll it forward, um, and, and, and maybe if you know parents can think about this, um, your uh, relationships with your um, parents or whoever brought you up affects the way you see relationships. It's the filter that is there. So you had a very secure attachment to your parents. You're going to have more confidence in your ability to connect mm-hmm. with others. So uh, it does. It's, it's just the way it is. And if you're not aware of your attachment style, you're not aware of your attachment history, then it cannot help but affect not just how you relate to others, your your partner, but also to your kids. And uh, I don't mean to scare people, but in some tokens, I want people to kind of wake up and go, whoa, wait, what? Right. Because you can, you can save everybody a whole lot of damage and trauma and dollars and counseling right. if you can manage to face this early. That's right. And deal with it. And deal with it. And the good news is, the really great news is that attachment wounds can receive healing and you can be intentional about how you're going to change how you uh, parent your kids and how you attach to your kids. Okay. So here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So talking about, because we started off by talking about adult children, can attachment wounds be... Um, healed even later on in life when you, it's a adult to adult com- like relationship. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it can be for sure. Um, if I have attachment injuries uh, with my parent and they are never able to demonstrate trustworthiness and healing, then my attachment injury is healed in my heart. The relationship itself might not be healed. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, my attachment, it's what we call my attachment style. Okay. So um, my my attachment style, I grew up with the busy immigrant parents who uh, are Asian as well, so we don't do emotions. Uh, so while they were very present for us practically, you know, feeding us and yeah. all of that, there wasn't a lot of emotional support. It's just not something that they knew how to do. So I grew up with an attachment style where it would be hard for me to be emotionally vulnerable with others because it wasn't something I was raised right. doing. Um, I married my husband, and I would say that because of what I studied in psychology, I was well aware of my attachment style impacted my ability to be vulnerable with him, but also with friends. And so we've had many conversations, and I've been very intentional about uh, choosing to be vulnerable and choosing to be more emotive and choosing to express to him what my emotional needs are. Right. And it's been incredibly healing. So my marriage relationship has been a big part of my healing, but it hasn't been enough because some of my attachment injuries are beyond what my husband can bear. And he doesn't have, he can't carry the load he for all of that. He can't carry the load. He That's absolutely cannot. It's an expectation you can't put on him. Oh my him. goodness, I'm setting him up to fail. And I would say in my early years when I was dating him in my early marriage, I put that load on him. And of course, he regularly disappointed me because he didn't have the capability to fill the hole that my injuries had created. So I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying that he was one of the people. Uh, For myself, it was very significant. I did do some counseling. I did see a spiritual director. And I also have worked really hard in my relationship with God. And all of those things and my friendships with girlfriends have all worked to repair my attachment style. So I'm going to dig a little bit here because I think that there are people who are listening right now who are, you know, bing, 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 bing. Mm -hmm. And they're going, how do I figure out what my attachment style is? Right. 
Um, so thank you for the segue because that's actually I'm gonna gonna go into a little bit of the um, the science around attachment and okay. kind of just uh, give some labels that are okay. used in the world. That's great. Uh, um, this is just sort of a intro to it. So if you're at all interested or intrigued, we'll put some resources. Great, on, that would be really list. helpful for our listeners because I know that this is zinging with them and they're going to want to dig deeper on this right. one. Right, so uh, two things to remember. Number one, have grace towards yourself. Okay. Very, very, very key. And number two, have grace towards your parents because uh, unless they were overtly, evilly abusive, uh, parents did the best they could with the tools that they had or didn't have. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't going to be a journey of forgiveness that you have to do, but like uh, if you get pulled into feeling a lot of anger and resentment and you get stuck in that place, then it's going to be very hard for you to repair your attachment style. So just those two things to keep in mind. So it's not to blame our parents or to feel bitterness over them, but just to understand why we respond the way we do. All right. So with attachment, if you think about it, um, and by the way, as a, also a really great uh, piece of information is that uh, as you work towards your healthier attachment and you're able to help your kids with uh, healthy attachment, uh, healthy attachment is the number one uh, um, important tool for resiliency. So that's really okay. the key. So we're building resilient we're kids building too. Resilient. Okay, so if you think about a baby being born, uh, they don't know anything about the world. And so they're making conclusions based on how you respond to them, uh, whether it's uh, their beliefs about themselves, their beliefs about others, their beliefs mm-hmm. about, like, you know, God even. And the baby's brain, it's hi- hardwired to learn, and neural pathways will actually be established based on her attachment experiences. And because she's so vulnerable and unable to uh, survive on her own, she's got to depend on others, right? right? So those experiences will tell her a lot. And research now shows that our brain's actual neural pathways are hardwired based on our attachment experiences. Okay. So I was, um, you know, looking at a client file, and this child uh, was diagnosed with uh, ODD, ADHD, ODA, oppositional defiance behavior uh, disorder, lots of acting out. But then when you looked at his history, very abusive relationship with mom. Mm. So I knew right away that there was an attachment disorder. And right. it turns out in behavior. So uh, that child's ability to concentrate and think and all those things are being impacted by the relationship. And um, research shows that babies who are constantly touched and they're spoken to in a loving way, they're consistently calmer and less anxious. And babies who aren't are more anxious and more apathetic. So we're just starting to realize how attuned that child is, their developing brain is to their the care. So... From very early on, the kids are asking, is my mummy, particularly, but is my caregiver close by? Is she available to me? Can I get to her quickly if I need? Will she be there if I need her? Will she comfort me? And this is called the proximity hmm. principle. And it's like a thermostat that's, that's a set point for the attachment behavior. So if a child believes mum's close enough, then they can explore the world. They feel secure about that. So this is an interesting thing. Uh, when our kids are crying, and they're being annoying, and they're whining and all that, uh, it's certainly for me, I want to stop that behavior. Yes. But actually what that child is doing is they're demonstrating attachment behavior. Okay. So they're saying, mommy, I need you. Come closer to me. 
but it sometimes drives you nuts. So when a child is acting out because a child doesn't have communication skills, you need to begin to think, what does this child need? Does mm -hmm. this child need comforting? All of that. So I, I'm, I'm going on and on a little bit. I mean, I just love this stuff. So back to your original question about uh, attachment style. So if um, a child uh, believes that uh, I am lovable and uh, people in my life are trustworthy to love me. So those are, those are two key questions. Am I lovable? And are people in my life able to love me? And they're, if they're able to answer yes to both of them, then they develop what's called a secure attachment style. And with a secure attachment style, that allows you to be able to explore and be brave and, and to fail and to bounce back and a lot of resilience around that. When you don't have that experience, um, you will develop others. So there's um, a term called uh, um, uh, avoidance attachment style. So avoidance attachment style is when my parent um, just was not available to take care of me emotionally or respond to me. So that child learns early on, I'm on my own. Mm. Uh, I can't count on others. And so kids with an avoidance attachment style tend to uh, look to their blankies or their stuffed animals or to uh, stuff or experiences. And what they have found in research is that when there's that avoidant attachment style, that it can often underlie um, addictive behaviors. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And then there's something called ambivalent attachment style, and that's uh, or anxious attachment style, and that's when a child um, longs for mom and longs for that uh, attachment figure, but then when the attachment figure comes, they are also scared of them. So they get mixed messages from that parent. Right. And often with kids with ambivalent or anxious attachment styles, because they got mixed messages. I love you. You're the best kid in the world to like, oh, you're making me so mad. I just don't want to, I can't even stand seeing you. And so it's unpredictable. So the child longs for closeness with the parent, but the parent could also be the source of pain and punishment. Right, because they never know which one's going to show up. They never know which one's going to show up. Yeah. And um, that anxious child has also learned that for me to get my parents' attention, I really need to have a meltdown or a big, you know, drama or mm -hmm. crisis, and then I'll get my parents' attention. Mm -hmm. So that's what can be the case. Now, then the last uh, one that we talk about is something called a disorganized attachment style. Mm. This one is a painful one because it typically comes from abusive families, and they have no consistent way of relating to their parents, and their parents are, will show a combination of avoidant, ambivalent, secure, all of those things. But these parents, like, think about this. The person who is supposed to be most safe for me is also the one who's most dangerous or causes me the most pain. Yeah. Right? Like, that is just a sobering thing. So, listeners... If you're listening and you're starting to feel strong emotions coming up mm -hmm. as I'm talking, uh, as you think about your early childhood experiences and you're starting to realize, wow, I have a lot of pain still when I think about how my parents who were supposed to be safe were either not available emotionally or they were in fact even abusive. I would ask you to, um, if you haven't already, consider reaching out pro for professional help. Yeah. Um, if you have uh, an, a disorganized attachment style, there, your life probably would have had a lot of pain, a lot of chaos, a lot of turmoil. You would have had relationships that would have been uh, amazing and then they would have been uh, broken and they would, you would have felt betrayed 
Uh, and that type of pain needs professional help, in my experience. Mm-hmm. And it is doable. Uh, it takes a lot of work to break past it because trust has been broken time and time again. Just think about it. The one who is supposed to be the most trustworthy, safe person mm-hmm. is the source of your trauma. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, listeners, I mean, there is help available. Um, and it, and we will put some resources and links to resources in the show notes below. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking, Mary, as you're talking about, you know, my own childhood, but then I'm also thinking about how I raised my kids. And then I'm thinking about, you know, my grandson now. I'm, I'm sort of looking deeply into everything you said mm-hmm. to go, wow, like, where, where does... Where, where do I fall on the spectrum and where do my kids fall on the spectrum? Mm-hmm. It's very sobering information. And again, we're to receive it with grace right. and extend grace towards ourselves too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did share in a previous episode that when I was little, um, you know, my family moved, made a transatlantic move from Ireland to Canada. And I, I know mm-hmm. being a parent myself now, mm-hmm. moving is stressful. Right. Moving to another country mm-hmm. is stressful. Right. Selling up a business and a house and all that. So I imagine that there were times where I got the message, you know, I was on my own. Exactly. And not because my parents were um, setting out to intentionally hurt me, but because of life. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so I think, you know, that's where I can extend grace to them as well in the situation. And in fact, I'm glad you brought that up because a large majority of attachment injuries comes out of those things. Yeah. Parents are stressed out or they happen to be ill uh, or um, they're away or whatever. And they're, uh, they're maybe just even juggling jobs because they're exactly. trying to keep the bills paid yeah. and everybody happy and yeah. safe and fed. I had an experience I mentioned before where my parents forgot me. They yeah. buckled up the kids and they just left me standing there. And that... I know was not because they don't didn't love me and they just forgot. And so by being human, attachment injuries will happen. So parents, grace towards yourself because you have already, I was going to say you've already messed up your kids. I didn't mean to, that, that, that's not worth choking about. But um, humor sometimes does help. You have already done things that have caused injury to your child. And that is part of being human. And being hypervigilant about your parenting moving forward is not going to help either. It's not going to help at all. It is being humble and being able to go back. So I'm going to give you an example. Uh, When my child, Amanda, was young, um, I I would say my attachment style was mostly avoidant attachment style. Uh, And my mom uh, never directly expressed emotions to us, but she did it through more passive-aggressive ways or how I would have experienced as manipulative, silent treatment, things like Mm -hmm. that. So I remember one night, uh, Amanda was about two, she came into my room and I love my sleep. So I know I was you very, do. very, very frustrated that she came to my room. And so I was a, I was terrible. And I just basically sent her back to her room and abruptly and said, go back to bed. And she was crying too, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm admitting all this. And so then she goes back into her room and her door was closed because that's what she does when she sleeps. But she was crying. I could hear her crying and I'm just like tossing and turning. I'm like, ah, oh, that kid. She opened her door and started cry, crying even louder mm. because she really wanted to get my attention. And I, she just triggered something in me. And I went storming into her room and I said, don't you ever do that again. And I slammed the door. Mm. 
uh, I, I still feel so much regret over that. Mm-hmm. So, that, of course, that night I couldn't sleep at all. I was tossing and turning, like, why did I have such a strong reaction? Why would I do that? My poor child. And I was praying about it as well. And the Lord reminded me of my early childhood experiences and why I was being triggered. And so then the next day, I went to her and I said, Honey, can I please ask for your forgiveness? That was unforgivable. I should not have done that. That was my own issue. And she looked at me, she put her little hands on my face, and she said, it's okay, mommy, and we hugged each other. And then I said to her, you know, in future, if you need something from me, just tell me directly. Don't use your tears um, to... To, to ask me to do something. And, she, and, and we've, she's never done that ever since. Wow. So, well, thank you, Mary, because that, I mean, this is the tough stuff when, we, when we're vulnerable yeah. with our stuff yeah. in front of our listeners. Yeah. Um, but it's so important. Thank you for sharing that because I know uh, my own mother's heart. Right. You know, I'm, I can picture in my own mind mm-hmm. all the things that I did, mm-hmm. um, you know, to my kids right. that would have caused me that deep, deep pain and regret. Right. And yeah, so thank you for sharing that because that's really helpful to our listeners. Yeah. I mean, the point is, it's not that we avoid making mistakes because that's impossible. It's what we do to recover. Um, do you remember, um, there's a still face exercise. Yes. Uh, video Jillian and I use when we do some uh, corporate training and this little baby is uh, the mother's only just doing um, body language smiling and being super responsive to the child we'll put a link to that yeah because it's a fantastic video anyway for part of the experiment she the, she goes flat with no expression and does not respond to her child at all and within minutes or seconds the child became dysregulated and really upset and then mom flipped back, responded, and the child calmed right down. Right. And so the researcher was saying it's not so much that those disconnects happen, because that's part of life. It's what you do to recover from it. Mm-hmm. So the good news is, mom, dad, uh, when you have those attachment injuries, because you inadvertently, out of your humanity, mm-hmm. handle things in not the best way, you can go back and repair it. And in fact, in the repairing is when the bonds get stronger and stronger, and you demonstrate safety you demonstrate that even when i mess up i can still trust you even when you mess up um, you can still trust me right and that's what trust is trust isn't in perfection trust is in that when we mess up i know you have my back i have your back and we're going to work hard to resolve it great that's so good mary and speaking of which, I, I do want to say that um, dads, I mean, we've talked primarily about mums, but when they're, if there are dads who are listening, you also have the opportunity to form really fantastic attachment styles with your kids. Um, the way a dad generally forms an attachment style to his kids is different, and that tends to be more action-oriented love, <laughs> as you can see, more playing, more yeah. rough wrestling, and all that stuff. Yeah. But then they're also that that harbor of safety. Like my kids, when their car breaks down or something's going on, they're calling dad because dad represents that he can handle tough stuff and yeah. he can help us navigate those tough stuff. So don't um, don't minimize the, the power that that parent, you as a dad has to, um, to also shape your child's attachment style. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. Like you've given us a lot to think about and it's such a big topic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So um, we will put some links to, as I said, we put some links. I'm sure Mary has some really accessible books that if you're looking for um, 
information on attachment styles. We can point you to some... Uh, I, I know there's a lot of research in this yeah, area. Yeah, actually, so. my, um, I have some free downloadable oh. resources on my website. Uh, so we'll put that as well. Okay, I actually good. have a CD called Healthy Parents, Healthy Kids. Perfect. And so some of what I talk about in attachment is expanded upon that greatly in that. Well, uh, parents, you'll definitely want to listen in on that because I know that we've probably scratched the surface for you today. Mm-hmm. And you've probably got a lot of questions. Um, and, you know, parents... Like, just be encouraged Mm -hmm. that, you know, the reason that we have these conversations is because we want to equip you, we want to encourage you, and we want to empower you Mm -hmm. to make changes in your life that will be long-lasting and that will have uh, an impact for the remainder of your life and your child's life. Absolutely. And be able to get back to that restoration that many of you probably long for. Mm -hmm. It's been such an encouraging um, episode for me to listen to, both as a mom and a grandmother now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so thankful for this, um, like, really vulnerable but honest Mm-hmm. episode Mary thank you so much yeah um yeah I hope that this is helpful to uh our listeners um you know it's so foundational when we talked about loneliness in a previous episode yeah. and uh, finding our tribe and belonging and oh, all those things yeah, yeah. Have a lot to do with that um so again I would encourage you if your attachment injuries you recognize are pretty significant to get some professional help um, and also, if you find that you are struggling uh, to form that secure attachment with your child, don't be ashamed of that. Mm. I mean, I know you love your child, and I know that it doesn't come out of a desire to hurt them. It's just you might not have the tools. Yeah. So there's also fantastic parenting coaching, uh, uh, parenting coaches that yeah, can actually absolutely. help you repair your attachment style with your child and just well, teach you some skills. And one of the things that I think is a big lie for new parents especially, Mm. is that they're going to fall in love with this baby instantly. Right. And that's not always the case, moms and dads. Right. Like, you know, so don't beat yourself up because you're not there yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And loving and liking are two different things, right? Right. We can love our kids but not like them in different stages of their life. Mm -hmm. Um, You weren't really liking Amanda when she was, you know, caterwauling in her room. Mm -hmm. You loved her, but you Mm -hmm. weren't liking her. Mm -hmm. So I think we... We started this conversation with a lot of grace, Mm -hmm. extending grace to you. We want to extend grace to ourselves as moms. And and definitely, you know, we definitely want you to hear that we want that grace extended deeply in this. And you might have to listen to this again because Mm -hmm. it was probably a lot of stuff that Mm -hmm. you needed to absorb. Mm -hmm. Um, So plug in again find the information that we've provided for you online and if we'll put some links if you need further help finding a a therapist we'll put some links available to you yeah that sounds great okay thanks for listening in all right thank you mary all right thanks for listening to the fully lived life podcast we hope you found it encouraging and helpful be sure to follow or subscribe so that you never miss a new episode And if you enjoyed our show, please help spread the word by sharing with your friends and family and posting on your social media. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode.